Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. I want to invite you to stay updated with me on social media and see what we are doing in the ministry. You can follow me on Facebook at John Wallace. You can follow me on Instagram at Jonathan R. Wallace. And you can follow our YouTube page at New Beginnings Huntington. I pray this message builds your faith and gives you revelation. Let's get ready for the Word of God. Tonight we're going to continue on what I began to preach on Sunday. Is sickness a part of God's plan for me? Is sickness a part of God's plan for me? We're going to dive into the scriptures, what the Word of God has to say about this subject. I'm just going to stay on it as long as the Lord has me, has me do it. And ultimately, I mean, it's so hard even preparing for this. The Word is just so full of, of content on this subject. It's not really hard ever coming up with something to preach and teach about this. For me, it's really hard picking and choosing of what goes because there's just so much. There's so much in the Word about it. And, and, and it's, it's so strong in my heart to teach people about this because it's not anything I ever grew up knowing my whole life. Never knew. Never knew these things. Um, and so we're going to answer some of these questions. And I know everybody that's a part of this church, by now you should, you should definitely know the answers to some of these questions. But I'm just giving you firepower. I'm just giving you arrows and ammunition. Amen. One of the best things that I ever heard while studying in Bible college, I had a class called Systematic Theology. And the professor started out the class, class with saying this. He says, he said, I'm going to teach you guys different perspectives. Right? In Christianity, there's different denominations, there's different beliefs, there's different thoughts, there's different ideas. He said, I'm going to teach you just a bunch of different things, and I'm going to teach you the, the main things that people believe and why they believe those things. And he said, ultimately, I know some of you will agree, some of you will disagree, you guys will vary in, in differences of beliefs, but he said, what I want at the end of this class is for you to come out of this class and know what you believe and why you believe it. Amen. And that's what I really endeavor to do with this is I don't want you to just be able to answer that question. Is sickness a part of God's plan for me? I want you to be able to say, I know that I believe that and I know why I believe that and I can show you why in the Bible. Amen. Because a lot of Christians, they can't do that. They believe things, but then you ask them, well, why do you think that? Why do you believe that? And they're, well, I don't know. That's just what I heard my whole life. Well, that's not good enough. Amen. So some of these questions, does God always say yes to healing? Anybody ever heard that? Sometimes God says yes, and sometimes God says no, things like that. I heard that my whole life. You know, somebody was struggling, and then they'd receive prayer, and then they, they wouldn't be getting better, and then... Somebody would come alongside and pat them on the hand and say, well, brother, you know, sometimes God says yes, and sometimes he says no. That's very comforting, but it's not in the Bible. It's not what the Bible teaches. You know, another question that a Christian might ask sometimes is, uh, I knew believers, and it breaks my heart, I knew people that loved God. And when I make these voices, I'm not mocking those people. I, I just think it's, it's funny. I, I, I don't know. Uh, but I knew people that loved God, and they loved God with their whole heart. I know for a fact, I mean, just looking at their life, they were saved. They had the Holy Ghost, all of that. 
But then they died. They went to their deathbed and ultimately were taken off of this earth, what I believe prematurely and early, because they held the belief that God gave them this sickness and it was their cross to bear. That's just, that's, you know, that's just my thorn. I prayed to the Lord, and, you know, they'll use, like, Paul's thorn in the flesh, and maybe we'll get to that. Maybe you've heard that argument. Well, what about Paul's thorn? I'll go ahead and tell you. That wasn't talking about sickness and disease. That was talking about persecution. Every time that you look at the reference of the thorn in the flesh used in the Bible, it's used several times in the Old Testament, it was always, always, always depicted Israel's persecutors every single time. So Paul wasn't, oh, Paul had an eye disease. Paul had a, many problems that, 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 the, that he asked the Lord to heal him from, and he never got healed. No, that's not true. Uh, that's not what the Bible teaches. So people ask, did God give me this disease? I want you to be able to answer that. If, if God did give you the disease, because that is a very uh, strong possibility, and it's not necessarily that God gives you the disease, but because of placement, the Lord allows things in our lives. You have to understand that. It's a very big, a different thing to say God gave me a disease to God allows something in my life. Well, why does God allow it in my life if he loves me? Well, why does God allow people to go to hell? Is it because he wants them to go to hell? No. It's because ultimately we have a choice. And ultimately there's a system of seed time and harvest. And we talked about this Sunday morning. Ultimately sin puts you underneath the dominion of the devil. And it opens you up and makes you susceptible to kill, steal, and destroy. Praise God. And so, Proverbs 6, 30-31, the Bible says this, Excuses might be found for a thief who steals because he's starving. But if he is caught, he must pay back seven times what he stole, even if he has to sell everything in his house. If the thief is caught, it says he must pay back seven times what he stole. I had somebody ask me this question. How do you catch the thief? A lot of people, the thief, the enemy, the oppressor has his hand in their life. He's just doing whatever he wills, whatever he wants, and he's allowed to do it. Do you know why? Because they don't know the answers to these questions. They think. Is it God's will for me to be sick? Is it, is it my cross to bear? Is God's, is, is God's answer always yes when it comes to healing? And they don't have that cemented on the inside of them, certain of that. And so the enemy is allowed to come into their home and do whatever he wants to do. Come into their life, come into their body, come into their circumstance. But it says if he's caught, he must pay back seven times what he stole. So how do you catch the thief? Through the word of God. Amen. How do you catch the thief? You catch the thief through the word of God is you get in the word and you learn what the word says and you become certain of what the word says. And then when the devil goes to try to put his hand in something in your life, you're able to stop him, snatch him, grab a hold of him and say, nope, that's illegal. I refuse that. I reject that. I don't accept that in the mighty name of Jesus. And guess what? You just caught the thief. Hallelujah. Turn your Bibles to Exodus 15. 22 through 26. And Lord, I ask that you just help me preach this message tonight in the mighty name of Jesus. Let the anointing move through me. Let the gift of teaching flow through me. 
Let the Holy Ghost touch these people. Open our ears. Open our hearts. Lord, I just curse division. I curse distraction. I curse offense. I curse all of that in Jesus' name. I decree it's not welcome. It's not allowed. And I crush that head right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Exodus 15, 22 through 26. Is sickness a part of God's plan for me? I want to teach you an angle of healing that maybe you've never heard before. Exodus 15, 20 through 26, it says this. Moses led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea, and they moved out into the desert of Shur. They traveled in this desert for three days without finding any water. When they came to it, the oasis of Mara, or Mara, Myra, the water was too bitter to drink, so they called the place Mara, which means bitter. Say bitter. Then the, then the people complained and turned to Moses. What are we going to drink, they demanded. So Moses cried out to the Lord for help, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. I want you to see this. A piece of wood. Moses threw it into the water, and he made the water good to drink. Most Bible theologians will agree. You know, all throughout the Old Testament, there's types and shadows and pictures of Jesus Christ. That, type, that, that wood was a picture of the cross. That wood was a type and shadow of the cross. So I want you to think about this. This water, it's bacteria infected. It's disease infected. It's, it's not consumable. If they were to drink it, they'd get sick. They probably would have died. They probably would have developed some kind of disease, mosquito larva all in it. But when they threw that wood in the water, guess what happened? That disease just began to die back. The algae began to die back. The bacteria began to die back. And the, the wood made the water pure to drink. Hallelujah. That's a type and shadow of Jesus Christ. So, it further illustrates the point if you continue to read here. It says, It was there at Mara that the Lord set before them the following decree as a standard to test their faithfulness to Him. He said, If, say if. I'm going to read you a few passages, and all of them have this phrase, If. If, 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 if. I want you to circle that, highlight that in your Bible. If. Yes, if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what's right in His sight, obeying His commands. I want you to circle the word commands in your Bible. Keeping His decrees. I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I sent upon the Egyptians. I want to pause right there. So the Lord's making a contract. He's making a covenant with His people. If you will obey my commands, what was the commands? It was the law of Moses. It was the law and the prophets. It was all the Levitical law that was about to come that the Lord is giving. It's in the process of giving to Moses, right, uh, during this time. If you fully obey those things, this is one of the things the Lord said, I'll do for you. He said this, I will not make you suffer any of the diseases that I sent upon the Egyptians. And then he makes the statement, for I am the Lord who heals you. This is where you get the name of God, the first revelation of Jehovah Rapha. Hallelujah. Think about this. God is revealing himself. I am Jehovah Rapha. You know, to answer the question, is God's will for me to be sick? Is God's will for me to be healed? Is God willing to heal me? 
You can answer that question with this verse alone. I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the God who heals you. What that means? Say, I am. He didn't say, I do, Jehovah Rapha. He said, I am Jehovah Rapha. You know essentially what that means? I am healing. Hallelujah. That word Jehovah, it means eternal. It means ex the existing one. Guess what this word Jehovah means? It means the self-existing one. The self-existing one. I've heard it broke down like this, and it's so true. The self-existing one, Jehovah, it basically means he doesn't need us. There's nothing that we do that helps him, that influences him, that he needs to draw from in order to do what he wants to do. He's the self-existing one. We, he doesn't need us. We need him. So this is what, what's so amazing is basically he's the, I'm the one that exists without human aid or help. And so he ties it together with this word Rapha. Say Rapha. In the, in the Hebrew, that word means, it literally means this. Rapha means, uh, let's see here, to heal, to make healthful, the healer, the physician. So basically what God is saying is I'll be your source of healing and I don't need any man to help me do it. I'll be your source of healing, and I don't need human intervention. I don't need doctors to help me. I don't need, you know, well, how many of you know God will heal, but how does he heal? Maybe we go through the treatments for 6 to 12 months, and then that's how the Lord heals. I've heard things like that, but that's not really biblical. You don't find that in the Bible. Jehovah Rapha means I am the one that, that heals from myself with no help from anybody else at all. And I am the source of your healing. Hallelujah. The Lord's making a covenant with his people right here for the first time. If you'll walk in covenant with me, I will personally see to it that you walk in divine health. I'll personally see to it that you live free from sickness and disease. For I am Jehovah Rapha. And then you understand that healing's not just what he does, it's who he is. So if you have him, you have healing. Praise you, Jesus. If Jesus went to heaven and he sent the advocate to take his place and now Jesus dwells in my heart by the way of the Holy Ghost, so technically I have Jesus in my heart and Jesus is I am and I am is Jehovah Rapha, that means I have Jehovah Rapha in me. That means I have, why, why do you say, well, I'm not trying to get healed, I am healed. Well, you don't look healed. Well, I am healed. I have healing. Why do you say that? Because I have the Holy Ghost. He is Jehovah Rapha. I have healing. I want you to say it. Say, I have healing. I have healing. Praise you, Jesus. I'm not trying to get healed. I have it. And I command that healing to manifest in my body. So this if, again, he says, if you'll obey my commands, if you'll keep my decrees, then this is what, this is what I'll do for you. If. They had to obey the law in order to get this covenant promise. Do you see that? They had to fully obey the law in order to get this covenant promise. That's important as we move on. Turn to Leviticus 26, 1 through 13. I'm sorry. Uh, before you do that, look at Exodus 23. My bad. Exodus 23. 
20 through 27. Let's read it. A promise to the Lord's presence. He said, see, I'm sending an angel before you to protect you on your journey and to lead you safely to the place I prepared for you. Pay close attention to him and obey his instructions. Do not rebel against him, for he is my representative, and he will not forgive your rebellion. But if, say if. Again, this was all contingent. This wasn't. The Lord didn't say, I'll do it no matter what. No, this was contingent on their obedience. If, he said, you'll obey. If you'll obey. Let's see here. If you are careful to obey him, following all my instructions, then, say then, I will be an enemy to your enemies, and I will oppose those that oppose you. For my angel will go before you and bring you into the land of the Amorites, Hittites, Perzites, Canaanites, Hivites, and Jebusites, so that you may live there, and I will destroy them completely. But you must not worship the gods of these nations or serve them in any way or imitate their evil practices. Instead, you must utterly destroy them and smash their sacred pillars. You must serve only the Lord your God. And if, see that word, if you do, I'll bless your food and water and I'll protect you from illness. It says there will be no miscarriages or infertility in your land and I will give you long, full lives. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. No miscarriage. Say no miscarriages. No infertility. I'm going to show you in a, in a minute how this directly applies to us. You're saying, well, this is the Old Covenant, the Old Testament. Well, I'll, I'll show you how we are tied into this. But I just want you to hear it while we're here. No miscarriages, no infertility. This is what I mean by catching the thief. I was talking to a, a, a great sister the other day that... You know, they have a, a child, They've, they worked really hard to, to get their first child, and they finally got a child, and then she was saying, well, you know, we would like another child, but if it's the Lord's will, and if it's not, then we're okay, maybe we'll adopt, or maybe we'll do something like that. No, you know it's the Lord's will, because His Word says there will be no infertility among you. You can't look at infertility if you're experiencing that symptom in your life and say, well, I'm experiencing infertility, so it must not be the God, God's will for me to have more children. No, you can't do that. The Word says there will be no infertility among you. Hallelujah. Well, maybe if the Lord wanted us to have a child, you know, He'd give us a child. If not, we'll just adopt. That stuff's not in the Bible. And then He says, I'll give you long, full lives. Say long lives. Say full lives. With Psalms 91, it says, with long life, I'll satisfy thee. It's not God's will for you to be taken off of this earth prematurely. He'll fulfill the number of our days. Thank you, Jesus. And so you got to catch the thief. If he's caught, he must pay back what he steals. But read that in the New King James. It says, so you shall serve the Lord your God, and he'll bless your bread and your water and he said, I will take sickness away from the midst of you. Hallelujah. This was a covenant promise. I'm Jehovah Rapha, part of this covenant with my people. I'll take sickness away from you. If you'll obey me, he says. 
Deuteronomy 28, a passage many of you are familiar with. Oh, I'm sorry, before there, Leviticus 26. I have to do my notes a little different under the tent, so sorry. Leviticus 26. Do not make idols or set up carved images or sacred pillars or sculptured stones in your land so you may worship them. I am the Lord your God. You must keep my Sabbath days and rest and show reverence for my sanctuary. I am the Lord. If, say if, you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commandments, I'll send you the seasonal rains. The land will then yield its crop and the trees of the field will produce their fruit. Your threshing season will overlap with the grape harvest, and your grape harvest will overlap with the season of planting grain. You will eat your fill and live securely in your own land. Guess what? Part of the covenant promise of the Lord is continual harvest. Well, how many of you know we go through the harvest season and then, yeah, that's true, but there's actually a promise that I want all of our faith to go up higher where it says they'll overlap. Hallelujah. When one harvest season's ending, another one's just coming right back in. Praise you, Jesus. That's part of this blessing. So it says this. It says, I'll give you peace in the land, and you will be able to sleep with no cause of fear. I'll rid the land of wild animals and keep your enemies out of your land. He says, in fact, you'll chase down your enemies and slaughter them with your swords. Five of you will chase a hundred, and a hundred of you will chase ten thousand, and all of your enemies will fall beneath your sword. I'll look favorably upon you, in f uh, making you fertile and multiplying your people. Thank you, Jesus. I'll fulfill my covenant. Say covenant. See, this was a covenant that God made with you. You will have such a surplus of crops that you will need to clear out the old grain to make room for the new harvest. <laughs> I will live among you, and I will not despise you. I will walk among you. I'll be your God, and you'll be my people. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt so you would no longer be their slaves. I broke the yoke of slavery from your neck so you can walk with your heads held high. Say, if... All of this was contingent on if they obeyed the terms of the Lord. Amen. Okay, now do, turn to Deuteronomy 28. We're almost done with the extended passage readings here. But if you enjoy the Bible, then this is great. If, say if. Again, man, we got it in Exodus 15, Exodus 23, Leviticus 26, Deuteronomy 28. If you fully obey the Lord your God carefully keeping his commands say his commands what's the commands it's the law it's the prophets it's the levitical law i'm giving you today the lord your god will set you high above all the nations of the world you will experience these blessings if there's that word you obey the lord your god guess what your towns will be blessed your fields will be blessed your children and crops will be blessed the offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go and whatever you do will be blessed. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They'll attack you from one direction, but you will, they will scatter from you in seven. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything that you do and will fill your storehouses with grain. The Lord your God will bless you in the land that he's giving you. If you obey the commands of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, the Lord will establish you as his holy people as he swore he would do. 
Then all the nations of the world will see that your people claim by the Lord, and they'll stand in all of you. The Lord will give you prosperity in the land he swore to your ancestors to give you, blessing you with many children. Say many children. That means more than one. Guess what? That could mean more than two. You say, well, what's many? Well, what's your faith say many is? Hallelujah. My, if your faith says, my faith says 25. Amen, babe. No, I'm just kidding. She's like, no, not my faith. <laughs> I mean, that's where I'm talking. You get it from the word. Many children. You know, I'd also say something. This, this is just a side nugget. But multiplication of children is a part of prosperity. So many people want prosperity in money, but they don't want prosperity in children. The Lord said, I'll multiply your house. Well, guess what? You don't get to take some and leave some. Well, I'm going to have one kid. I'll have, you know, but then I'm just going to have bukus and bukus of money. I'm going to be honest with you. That's kind of selfish. Right? Amen. Well, don't shout me down. You're like, I don't agree with you, Pastor John. I mean, that's like, at least my generation, that's what they think. Well, I'll have a kid because it looks like the fun thing to do on Instagram, but I'm not, you know, I'm not going to have two or three or anything like that. It's going to require way too much of me. It's going to take too much money. It's going to, no, take too much resource. Guess what? It's a part of prosperity. If you want prosperity, you better get ready to multiply. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, he says, I'll give you many children, numerous livestock, and abundant crop. The whites believing for sheep, numerous livestock in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. The Lord will send rain at the proper time from his rich treasury in the heavens and will bless all the work you do. You'll lend to many nations, but you'll never need to borrow from them. Say, never need to borrow. Part of the blessing, the true blessing of the Lord, according to the scripture, is not needing to borrow. That means no debt. That means that the Lord was going to take us to a place where we'll never need the bank to help us do what God's called us to do. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. You know, I don't know. You guys may hate me for this. You may love me for this. But ultimately, I told our kids, I said, you know what? We're done fundraising. I'm so done with that. And for, here's the reason for this. I hate having to sit on the side of a road and sell cookies to the world and say, please give me money for me to go to church camp and ask the money, the world for provision to go where the Lord told you to go. I said, no, we're not going to do that. I'm just going to believe God. Either, A, we'll give people an opportunity to sponsor kids and send them to the, the camp and what we're going to do, or B, the church will just pay for it because I'm done asking the world for the things that we need. Hallelujah. And now listen to me. I'm not condemning anybody. I have, I have a car note. And I'm believing God to get me out of that debt, and I'm standing in faith for the Lord to take me to a place where we never have to ask the bank for anything again. Hallelujah. You guys are like, sitting there, is Pastor John, you know, is he mad that I have debt? No, I have debt, and I'm believing God to get out of it. This church is in debt to a, we didn't thank God we never had to go to a bank. We went through a person, but I'm believing for the Lord to just pay off this whole property in the mighty name of Jesus. And according to the word, I'm entitled to it. We're entitled to this. It's a covenant promise. I 
I am Jehovah Rapha, and we'll get to this stuff later on, not tonight, but I am Jehovah, Ra uh, Jehovah Jireh. I am El Shaddai. The Lord is my provider. The Lord is my source of provision. The Lord is my source of healing. And I'm all for taking care of yourself. You know, I'm not one of those that believe that you can smoke three packs of cigarettes a day and walk by faith and you'll just live to be 99 years old. I don't, I don't really believe that. Jesus, when Satan took Jesus up to the top of the temple and said, jump off, Satan said, no, you don't test the Lord your God. I believe in taking care of your body. It, you know, I'll give you an example. I believe in eating healthy, and I've been working really hard to personally do that. And I'll, I'll tell you one reason why I do. You know, there's not one verse in the scripture that tells you don't smoke cigarettes. Not one verse. Not one. He's saying, John, do you think it's good to smoke cigarettes? No, I don't think it's good to smoke cigarettes. But any case that a Christian would make of why biblically you shouldn't do it all boils back down to your body being a temple of the Holy Ghost. Guess what? That applies to much more than just smoking and drinking and dipping and doing things like that. That also applies to what you're putting in your body and how you're taking care of your body because it is the vessel and the temple of the Holy Ghost here on this earth. Amen. So it's actually kind of hypocritical to say, oh, you're a Christian and you smoke and, you, you know, you begin to self-righteously nag at people, but then you're in the McDonald's line six times a week eating double quarter pounders. I'm telling you, in my opinion, you're both, that, those are both equally wrong for the temple of the Holy Ghost. Amen. <laughs> the Lord, it says, if you listen to the to these commandments of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today, and if you carefully obey them, the Lord will make you the head. Say the head and not the tail. What is that? Promotion. That's favor. You'll always be on top. You'll never be at the bottom. That looks like Joseph, how the Lord just took him to the top, to the top, to the top, to the top. You must not, but here's the stipulation. You must not turn away from the commands that I'm giving you today, nor follow after other gods and worship them. Hallelujah. How do these things apply to us? All of these promises, covenant promises, the Lord made with the contingency of you have to obey the commands of the Lord. You have to obey the law of God. Now let me show you what Jesus said in Matthew 5, 17 through 18. When Jesus came, he said, don't misunderstand why I've come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. What's the law of Moses, the writings of the prophets? That's the commands and the decrees. We just read all about those. He says, no, I came to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. Say its purpose. Jesus said, I came to accomplish the purpose. So we're going to ask two questions in a moment. Number one, what was the purpose of the law and the prophets? Whatever the purpose of the law was, Jesus came to accomplish that purpose. But look what Jesus said in the New King James, the same verse, it reads it a little different. It says, don't think that I came to destroy the law and the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Say fulfill. Jesus said, I came to fulfill the law and the prophets. Hallelujah. Let's answer this question first. What was the purpose of the law? Galatians 3, 19 through 29. Turn your Bibles there. 
Is this helping anybody tonight? Praise you, Jesus. Help us all, Lord. Am I having a brain fart? Somebody direct me to Galatians. I am right now. I, I went. I, before, okay, there we go. Man, I was just right skipping over it. These pages were sticking together. It's like it's after Genesis, right? Okay. I promise I read my Bible. <laughs> I promise I do. Galatians three nineteen through 29 says this. Why then was the law given? Right? Jesus came to accomplish the purpose of the law. Well, why then was the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. Stop right there. One reason the law was given alongside all these promises was to show people their sins. Basically, the law was given to show people, to point, to, to point the people to a Messiah because the people ultimately would try to obey all the commands, would try to keep all the decrees. And if they were truly being honest with themselves, they would see that somewhere they missed it. Somewhere, somehow they missed it. And Jesus made this very clear to the people that thought they were so self-righteous. Well, I've never cheated on my spouse, but if you lusted in your heart, you're guilty of the same law. Well, I've never killed anybody. Yes, but if you're angry with somebody without just cause, you're guilty of murder. He's, the whole point was, look, you've taken the law and you think you're so righteous. And these Pharisees and Sadducees and religious people, they thought that they had fulfilled and, and, and accomplished the law. But it was really to point them to Jesus, to show them that, God, I can't do this, and I need you to not only be the source of my healing, I don't only need you to be the source of my provision, but I need you to be the source of my righteousness because if I'm honest with myself, I've not kept all of your laws, decrees, and commands to a T. The law was given to show people their sins, but the law was designed to last only until the coming child who was promised. God gave his law through the angels to Moses, who was the mediator between God and the people. Now, a mediator is helpful if more than one party must reach an agreement. But God, who is one, did not use a mediator when he gave his promise to Abraham. It says this, Is there conflict then between God's law and God's promises? Absolutely not. If the law could give us new life, we would be made right with God by obeying it. So just understand this. The law could never get, give you righteousness. You know why? Because nobody could ever fully obey it. Amen? It says, but the scriptures declare that we were all prisoners to sin, so we received God's promise of freedom only by believing. Say believing. In Jesus Christ, verse 23, before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, we were placed under guard by God's law. We were kept in protective custody, so to speak, until the day, uh, the way of faith, say faith, was revealed. Let me put it another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. Say through faith. And now the way of faith has come and we no longer need the law as our, God, our guardian. 
For you are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. It says, there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Jesus Christ. And now that you belong to Christ, you are true children of Abraham and you are heirs of God's promise. Say, God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So the purpose of the law was, again, to show people that they truly needed a Savior and to basically keep them, pointing them in the direction for when the Messiah stepped on, on the ground and revealed himself and came in fulfillment of God's promise that they would look to him as the source of their justification and their righteousness. So then let's look at what the King James says, or the New King James Again, Jesus said in Matthew 5, 17 through 18, I did not come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill it. How did Jesus fulfill the law? In Romans 8, 3 through 4. Turn there in your Bible. Romans 8, 3 through 4. I'll give you just a minute since we don't have the screen up. Romans 8, 3 through 4. It says, the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the, weak, the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving us a son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us. Say by faith. I'm about to show you something, and I want you to start connecting the dots. God made a covenant promise. If you keep my commands and if you keep my decrees, all of these covenant promises belong to you. Well, guess what? In Christ Jesus, the righteous demand of the law was fulfilled, and we, we enter into it by simply placing our faith in Jesus Christ. Another way to say it is in 2 Corinthians 5.21. The New King James says, For he made him who know no sin for us, say for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So according to the Bible, I get brought into, and I'm going to show you that in just a moment, I fulfill the righteous decrees, the commands, the decrees, the laws, all of the stipulations in order for those covenant promises to be in effect in my life. I fulfill the requirements of all of those things when I place my faith in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Apart from my merit. Not because I've earned it and I've been good enough and I've kept the, the Levitical law to a T. No, he gives us righteousness by faith. Hallelujah. Jesus basically came and did what me and you could never do. He became sin so that we could become righteousness. So now when I read in Exodus where he says, if you keep my commands, if you keep my decrees, well, guess what? In faith, I, I am qualified for that. Then I will take sickness out of your midst. Let me just show you this. So you could ask the question, well, is it an overstep 
Those were covenants, those were promises that God made to his people Israel way before us. Is it an overstep to just try to grab those and claim it for myself? No, it's not. And I'm going to show you why in the Bible. By faith, say faith, we have been brought into God's covenant promises. So Ephesians 2, 11 through 13. I'm almost done here tonight. Ephesians 2, 11 through 13. Give you guys a minute to get there. If you're joining us online, we say hello. We love you. Get here Friday night at 7 o'clock. It's going to be awesome. Ephesians 2, 11 through 13. Don't forget, it says, you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews. You were proud of their circum who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of who? Israel. You were, say, I was. You were excluded from the citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the promises that God had made to them. Who's them? Israel. So that literally means, what are the covenant promises God made to Israel? Well, just a few of them that we read in regards to healing. Where's the Exodus 15? Exodus 23, Leviticus 26, Deuteronomy 28. I'll make you the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. These were all covenant promises that God made to his children Israel. And we Gentiles were once far away from those, those promises, but look at this. And it says, but now, say but now, you have been united with Christ. You were once far away from God, but now you have brought, been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. Paul goes on to say it even more clear. Turn your Bible over to chapter 3. And this is God's plan, that both the Gentiles and the Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are the same body, and both, say both, enjoy the same promise of blessings what's the promise of blessings those things we just read <laughs> because they belong to jesus christ so god didn't just make a new covenant with all these new promises and all this old stuff's done away with let me give you one more scripture to kind of put the nail in the coffin romans eleven seventeen says some of these branches of abraham's tree some of the people of israel have been broken off. So basically, Abraham's tree, God's covenant people, it says some of the branches have been broken off, and you Gentiles were branches from an olive tree that have been grafted in. What have we been grafted in? To the tree of Israel. God didn't go make a new tree. Okay, now you guys got your own thing going on. No, he's made laws, he made decrees, he made promises, he made a covenant. I am Jehovah Rapha being one of them. And we got grafted into that tree. That means God's not just Jehovah Rapha for the people of Israel. By the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ through faith, he is Jehovah Rapha for me. And he is my source of healing. I'll take sickness away out of your midst. That's a covenant promise if you're a believer for you today. Hallelujah. 
It says, so now you receive the blessing that God's promised to Abraham and his children, sharing in the rich nourishment from the root of God's special olive tree. That's Israel, God's special olive tree. That means all of the covenant promises belong to us. God didn't end those covenant promises. He brought us into them by faith. Hallelujah. And when we put our faith in Jesus, we fulfill the requirement for the benefits of those covenant promises. So what will the devil try to do? Well, you've, you, you've done this, you've done that. Well, you don't really feel like you're righteous. You don't really feel like you've been good enough. No, you catch the thief in the act and say, no, this is what belongs to me according to the Bible. And this is what I'll have, and I won't settle for anything less. Do we see examples of this in regards to sickness? God's covenant guarantee, I will remove sickness from you. Do we see that in the New Testament very clearly? Well, several examples, but I'll give you one. And it wasn't in the ministry of Jesus. People will say, well, that was Jesus, right? There's always an excuse for everything. Jesus went around and healed all the sick. Well, that was Jesus. He's not here anymore, you know. They always have an excuse like that. Well, look what James said in James 5, 14 through 15. Are any of you sick? Say any. any. Did James have the, the mindset, well, sometimes God says yes and sometimes he says no. No, he didn't. Why would he ask this question? Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will, say will. That means definitely, absolutely, for certain, will heal the sick. And God doesn't make, God doesn't segregate people. Oh, here's my... Here's over here, this section are the people that it's my will for them to be healed. This section's the section that I, you know, I'm giving them a sickness to carry for six months. This section over here. No. James understood if any of you are sick, I don't care who you are. I don't care how old you are. I don't care where you are. You can be healed. Why? Because we've been grafted into the tree where Jehovah Rapha is now your God and healing belongs to you. Hallelujah. It's not God's will for some to be stricken with infirmity. Anyone who is a child of God has the right to healing, has a right to the healing of Jehovah Rapha. Praise you, Jesus. Well, did you guys learn something tonight? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Just stand to your feet. Thank you so much for tuning in with me as I shared the Word of God. If you would like to become more than just a casual listener and want to give to our ministry, you can do so in the following ways. For credit or debit, go to www.nbchuntington.org donate. For PayPal, you can send it to NBC Huntington. For Cash App, use dollar sign capital NBCHTX20. Thank you so much. I pray God blesses you abundantly. Until next time, this is John Wallace.